Hi, everybody. It's John Dickerson. Welcome or welcome back to the Connection Point podcast. At the end of this episode, I'd encourage you to take a moment and check out cp.news on your web browser. Connection Point is a church that is fully online, and you can follow Jesus one day at a time from anywhere in the world with us. Well, I pray this message inspires you and challenges you today to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. grab a seat. Hey, if you're our guest and you're wondering, like, why do these crazy people get so excited? Uh, It's because we've seen in our lives that a relationship with God is freely available through Jesus. You don't have to pay money. You don't have to do good deeds. You don't have to go to a certain church. You simply believe in Jesus, ask him to forgive your sins and be the leader of your life and he will change your life. And we've experienced that freedom, that joy, and we just get delighted when we see that for other people. Uh, in fact, yeah, go ahead, you guys. You just can't, you can't help yourselves. That's okay. <laughs> I found a great video of this. This is a dad and a daughter who are out fishing, and um, it's pretty cute and funny when this little girl reacts, but I think it's also uh, proof that our kids pick up our values. I'm pretty sure her dad really loves fishing, and look how it has rubbed off on her. Go ahead and check it out. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's how I felt, you know, watching a dad baptize his son, and then a few people later watching an adult son baptize his dad, watching friends baptize each other, because what this is, is it's those of us who've found that Jesus is the bread of life. He fulfills our deepest needs. He's the living water where we thirst for things that no amount of money or success or pleasure, anything else can fill that thirst, can quench that thirst, but Jesus, and then When we get to introduce someone else to that, uh, it is a great joy. So part of walking with Jesus is that the longer you do it, he rubs off on you. And none of us will be perfect on this side of heaven. Connection Point is definitely a church where we're honest about the fact that I'm far from perfect. We're all far from perfect. But Jesus is perfect. And as we walk with him, um, we tend to take on his attributes. And so the things that delight him will delight us. And the things that grieve him will grieve us. In fact, you might not even really be in a relationship with God yet, but there are things that grieve your heart in this world. And the reason they do is because you have a little bit of God's nature in you. The book of Genesis says we're all made in the image of God. And so there's, there's part of the fingerprint of God on you, even if you don't believe in him yet. And as you get into a relationship with God through Jesus, God's nature in you comes to life. I want to ask you today, what is it in the world that most breaks your heart right now? Or maybe to put it in the lens of people, who does your heart break for right now? Maybe it's someone in your family 
Maybe it's someone in the local community, someone who's going through some kind of difficulty. Uh, Maybe it's more of a global thing. You look at people in a nation that's being invaded by another nation, and you see apartment buildings being bombed, and it's just like, why do people have to go through these things? When our hearts well up with compassion for other people who are hurting, that is an expression of the nature of God. And the more you walk with Jesus, he'll grow your compassion. Even if you're a pretty kind of calloused, tough person, you'll start to find moments where the heart of God, his compassion, starts to kind of beat in your heart. Uh, I've got a video I'm about to show you of a teenage girl who was a flight student. So the way this works, um, my best friend in high school, actually, John Mark's his name, He is an airline pilot now, and he started his flight lessons in high school. And so when we were 16, his parents were paying for flight lessons for him, and they had rented a plane. So we would drive to the airport, and he was still a student, but he could solo, and we'd go up in this, you know, little Piper airplane together. Well, this is that kind of scenario. It's a teenage girl who's a student, but she can solo. And as she's um, approaching the airport to land, she puts down the landing gear and the front wheel of the plane falls off. Obviously, this is a life or death situation where even a lot of experienced pilots would struggle to be able to land that plane um, without dying. And so she calls in and you're gonna hear a lot of static because this is the actual air traffic control conversation. But I think within it, if you listen, you're going to feel a little bit of the compassion that God has put in all of us for other people when they're going through difficulty. Go ahead and take a look. Entire front wheel assembly is on the runway. Affirmative, it is. I am solo. But when I land, should I treat this as a normal uh, soft field landing? Absolutely. Keep that stick all the way back. Touch down, whatever your normal touch down is, 50 knots. Just pull that nose off and walk if you can. Delta Charlie Pilot, what's your name, kiddo? My name's Taylor. Hey, Taylor, this is Chris. Um, my daughter's name is Taylor. And I taught her to fly. We're going to be just fine, kiddo. Thank you very much. Got a kid. Nice job. Here she comes. The nose is going to come down. You're okay. You're okay. You're okay. Talk to me, kid. Good. I'm all good. That a girl. Hmm. Yeah. Praise God. Uh, Did you feel that? That's compassion. You just felt compassion. That's in you because you're made in the image of God. And I wonder in the world right now, you know, I think as Americans, a lot of times when we feel compassion, we stuff it down because we don't want to feel bad. We just don't like to feel bad at all. We live in one of the only times in history where we can anesthetize. We can, you know, take pills or medicines or distract ourselves And we pretty much live in a culture where the goal is to avoid pain at all costs. Um, But the pain of compassion or empathy or sympathy, feeling someone else's pain, um, is a great gift when we get to then be part of the solution to that pain. Uh, I asked you earlier, who does your heart break for? Or what is it in the world right now that breaks your heart? You know, for me, one of the answers to that question is young people growing up right now. I turned 40 this year, so I feel older than ever. But I can still remember being a teenager. And uh, it was difficult. I think it's always been difficult to be a teenager. 
Um, but when I was a teenager, we had AOL Instant Messenger and email, but we did not have just the f- constant um, fire hose of information that we have now. Uh, and, and every year, um, new statistics come out, both from the federal government and research universities, that anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts just continue to increase. And it's not because the generation growing up right now is weaker or different than any of the previous generations, but they're growing up in a world where, you know, they're trying to land their airplane. And when they call out for help, they're getting a thousand different voices. And a lot of those voices, if we're honest, are voices that will harm them. And they know that, and they're trying to sort it through. And that's one of the things that just, it just breaks my heart. When I, when I see a young person doing their best in this crazy world to make their way through, and, and their head is kind of just like, what do I believe? Where do I go? New study came out this last week from the Center for Disease Control. It was a study they did in 2021, but they just released it. And among the findings of high school students in the U.S., one was that um, it's now up to 30%, so one out of three teenage girls in the U.S. reported to the federal government when this survey was taken that they've not only thought about taking their life, but they've actually put together a plan for how they would do it. Um, You know, as a dad, seeing that um, and and seeing in real life all the why... (laughs) The, the confusion and the noise and the anxiety, that is one of the things that just, it just breaks my heart. And it breaks the heart of God. God doesn't want people hurting or riddled with anxiety or wanting to escape life. I wonder if you can relate to any of those feelings and wherever it is in your life that there's something broken in the world or a person who's hurting, and if you could fix that thing or if you could help that person, you would. For that thing today, here's the question that we're going to ask. How can you see God help that person? Or how could you see God heal that brokenness? And we've been studying miracles. And I know for some of the things that some of us have thought of, it's like, this isn't something that you can just go to the store and buy the solution to this. This is like cultural or generational or it's inside a person where you can't reach and change things. But if God would do a miracle to fix something that's broken in the world, what would you pick? And if God's waiting because he's a God who wants to heal, he wants to feed, he is the bread of life, he is the living water, if he's just waiting to do a miracle in that area, the very same thing that breaks your heart breaks his heart, would you want to know how can you position yourself to be used by God to be part of that miracle. Well, that's what we're going to learn in the life of Jesus today. We've been studying in the Gospel of Matthew. And I want to take you in Matthew's account of Jesus' life, all true stories, to a moment where Jesus himself, though he's fully God, when he left heaven and came to earth, he kind of turned down the volume on his godness, if you will. Uh, and he became human, and he cried like we cry, and he felt hunger pains like we do, and he felt rejection like we do. And there's this moment in Jesus' life when one of his closest friends is murdered. Uh, John the Baptist was his name, and it was actually Jesus' cousin. So they grew up together as boys, 
So this is like a close family member and a close friend. And it's also, John the Baptist was very much all about God and helping Jesus bring in the kingdom of God. And so we're going to find Jesus in a moment where he's facing overwhelming, escalating evil that is so big that it looks like how could one person make any kind of difference? And I want to take you into that story because if you're anything like me, the things that break your heart, I think one of the reasons we don't try to solve them is we look at them and they're so big, we're like, how could I, how could I do anything about that huge thing? Let's see what Jesus does here in John 14. We're told in verse 12, later John's disciples, so John had followers like Jesus did, his own disciples, they came and they buried his body. Then they went and told Jesus what had happened. Really, an evil government ruler had physically beheaded Jesus' cousin. The struggle between good and evil. You know, Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He says, I've come that you might have life to the full. Life with Jesus is the best life possible, but make no mistake about it. Jesus says that in this world, there is a spiritual battle between good and evil. And that until Jesus returns in the future, Satan is on this earth to kill and steal and destroy. And even Jesus himself had to deal with loss and pain that come from Satan and from sin, just like we do. Verse 13, as soon as Jesus heard this news, he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone. Have you ever been there emotionally? You get some kind of phone call or text message, you get some kind of news, and you think, I, I just have to, I, I can't even, I have to get alone right now. So Jesus does this. He gets in this boat because he's been on a miracle spree, and thousands of people are coming to him, you know, to heal their sickness and to fix all their problems. And in this moment, being fully human, he just wants to be alone and grieve. And by the way, that's a very natural, normal, and healthy thing. But look how the verse continues. The crowds heard where Jesus was headed. And he's on this boat going across this lake, and they follow on foot from many towns. So Jesus gets to the other side. His intent was to be alone, and he sees that there's this huge crowd there. It'll tell us later it's 5,000 adult men. It's probably about 12,000 people altogether. And, and here's what I would have felt in that moment if I stepped off the boat and there were thousands of people and my, one of my best friends slash cousin had just been murdered. I would have said, hey, I'm glad you're all here, but I'm not in a place to minister right now. I, I mean, I, I need a little space. But look what Jesus does. It says he had compassion on them. And this is really our theme for today, is this, this compassion that comes from the nature of God, and it's in you, and it's in me. How can you see God help the person or the issue that breaks your heart in the world right now? Here's one principle from Jesus. Join him in a faith that sacrifices Jesus is going to spend the day now ministering to these people. He's going to sacrifice his own time, his own emotions, to see God meet the deepest needs of others. And this is part of as your faith grows. It's a normal trajectory that we, we first come to Jesus for our own needs. 
And that's where we've learned about him doing miracles in us. And then there's things around us that we're like, oh, Lord, now that you're changing me, sure, it would be great if you fixed my marriage or if you helped me in my career or helped me get out of debt and get my finances under control. And he's eager to do those things as you apply biblical principles to your life. But then as you continue to grow, God doesn't only want to do miracles in you and for you. He wants to do miracles through you. Miracles that will feed others, that will meet the deepest needs of others. And the great irony is this, the very things that break your heart are typically the very things that God wants to use you if you'll surrender your life, if you'll make some sacrifices, if you'll follow Jesus in this kind of lifestyle, and he'll use you to be part of his solution at a grand scale, far bigger than you could do without him uh, to solve that problem. Story continues, verse 15, it really shows us what this looks like. That evening. So the implication is, Jesus tries to get away from the crowd. They all follow him. He has compassion, so he starts, you know, healing those who can't walk, opening the eyes of the blind. We're told from one of the other four writers, there's four different gospel writers who tell the same story from four perspectives, that as he's healing these people, he's also preaching the good news of the kingdom. And so this is exhausting. He's doing this all day. Finally, the disciples, the sun's starting to set, so the disciples come to him and they say, this is a remote place, and it's really getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy food for themselves. Essentially, Jesus, there, there's, there's no McDonald's or Burger King. There's no mini mart. There's not, a, there's not a village. There's not a market. There's no food. We've got thousands of people who are starting to get hangry. You should send them all away because the sun's about to set anyways. Verse 16, Jesus said, that isn't necessary you feed them. This is one of those moments of spiritual growth for the disciples. Because Jesus can handle the situation, but there's a reason why he singles them out and he says, you feed them. And the reason is this, they've been walking with Jesus for some time now. And he's saying, my plan for your life isn't just that you sit in the stands and be a, a viewer of what I'm doing on earth, my plan is for you to be a participant in what I'm doing on earth. And when you join me and participate in what I'm doing on earth, that is the path of fulfillment and exhilaration and purpose. And so, disciples, you guys feed them. Well, I love the response because you will, as you walk with Jesus and surrender different areas of your life, you're going to see growth in your relationships, in your finances, in your inner life. And eventually the day will come where you will hear a nudge from God to be a part of solving some problem in the world. And then you'll look at the problem and you'll look at your own resources and you'll say, I, get, I, I can't fix that. And that's exactly what happens. Look how um, one of the other disciples records the conversation. Philip answered Jesus, it would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each person here to just have one bite. I mean, think about it right now, 12,000 people. Imagine you see 12,000 people and Jesus says, you feed them. What would you do? You're gonna go to Kroger, Meyer, McAllister's, Chick-fil-A, order 12,000 meals? 
What's that going to cost? Like, I mean, we're talking a lot of money. And, and Philip's not really exaggerating here when he says, Jesus, you're telling us to feed them. Look at what we have. We don't have any food. And even if we worked half a year, it would just be enough for all of them to have a bite. But another of his disciples, Andrew, spoke up. He said this, verse 9, here is a boy. I love it that it's a boy. And he's the only one who packed a lunch. I mean, out of all these people. He's got like an ancient Lunchable, apparently. It's five small barley loaves. And it's two small fish. Now, this is part of your growth. As the heart of God grows in you, you'll have compassion for things that you didn't used to have compassion for people who you didn't used to care about. And, and then you'll, you'll sense God prompting you, I want you to minister to them. I want you to be part of solving that. And then you'll take assessment of what you've got. And you'll be like, I pretty much have nothing. M maybe there's these little rolls and these two little fish. And I love what Andrew says here, but how far would what we have go among so many people? There's times I've felt this way as a church. I look at Indianapolis, there's two million people in the greater metro area of Indianapolis. And, 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 and I've sensed Jesus saying, feed them. It's like, but Lord, how, how far would what we have go among so many? If you sense God calling you to be part of something where the problem to solve and the resources you have are mismatched, you're in a good place. It means you're probably listening. It means you're probably getting the heart of God. Verse 10, I love how understated Jesus is. He doesn't say, well, give me the little loaves and the fish and I will miraculously multiply them. He doesn't say anything. He just says, tell everyone to sit down. So they all sit down. And then he prays. And then verse 11, he takes the loaves and after he's given thanks, he just starts distributing them. And somehow, they just keep going. It's like they're in this little basket and it just keeps going. And then the same thing happens with the fish. And I love this sentence, they all ate as much as they wanted, including the boy, because he was hungry too when he gave, he gave all that he had. They all ate as much as they wanted. Level two principle, the most exhilarating and fulfilling miracles are the ones that God does through you to help others and to heal a broken world. It's a blast when God does a miracle in you. It's super gratifying when he does a miracle for you. But then as you walk with God and he grows the heart of Jesus in you and he calls you to be a part of something that isn't just for you or even just for your family, but for people who are just as valuable to God and who God loves more than you can imagine. And you get to be a part of them being set free from sin or being healed in their marriage or being set free from addiction. Uh, and you get to see it yourself. There's just, there's nothing quite like it. There's nothing quite like, I, I think of some of the families in this church where you know, we got to be part of seeing a mom and dad get set free from drug addiction and how exhilarating that is. But then how fun to see them with their kids who used to be with CPS, 
who are now in their home because they're living a stable life and see them bringing their kids to church, see them baptize their kids and realize not only is this man different for his whole life in eternity, not only is this mom different for her whole life in eternity, but these kids are going to grow up in a totally different childhood than if we hadn't gotten to be part of the miracle of feeding them. For that to happen includes giving ourselves away. Following Jesus includes giving yourself away into greatness. Descend into greatness. Jesus descended from heaven to earth, and that is greatness. He stepped down to our level. And and when we say, Lord, lead me, show me, what does it look like for me to, to give of what I have to meet the needs that you are, are putting on my heart in the world. It's the path to greatness. Surrender your way to your best life. Give yourself away into greatness. You know, there's lots of fun things in the world that are not wrong. You know, there's, there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff or going on a nice vacation or having great experiences. Those aren't evil things. Now, if we worship those things above God, that's evil, but those things aren't evil. But here's something that I've just, I've seen it firsthand and I've experienced it. When I was a a journalist before I became a pastor, and even before I was really a strong Christian, I had a front row seat where some weeks I'd be interviewing billionaires with a B, so that's like 100 million times 10, and they'd be like, you know, go with me to this mansion here, fly my private jet to this mansion there. I'd see all their toys and all their stuff and their way of life, and They had all the same problems that we have, just more expensive, and everyone they talk to they can't trust because everyone wants their money. And then I'd spend a day with an NFL athlete, and then the next week I'd spend a day with a heroin addict who's homeless. And like a seven-layer cake, I just got to see every layer of human existence right now in American culture. And what I saw in all of it is that there's a whole lot of distraction of what I would call disposable silverware. (laughs) Like things that people think, if I get that house, if I get that car, if I get that promotion, if I get that relationship, if that person would like me, if that person would marry me, if I could have this many followers, if I could be known for this, if I could be famous, like we all have our thing and we get it. And then we're on to the next thing because it doesn't actually do, it doesn't feed the full hunger that we thought it would. I mean, if this wasn't the case, <laughs> my wife follows celebrities a lot more than I do, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but everyone's so like, oh, did you hear that so-and-so and so-and-so are divorcing? And I'm like, you're really surprised? You know, like, apart from Jesus, I couldn't do marriage, you know? Like, it doesn't matter how, like, money just makes it worse, you know? If, if you don't have Jesus, marriage isn't going to work. If you don't have Jesus, life isn't going to work. And what I saw firsthand, and now I've gotten to experience, because God still has some people in my life from from ministry and other stuff who live some pretty extravagant lives that other people would dream of, and and I'll visit them for a few days, and I'll come back to my normal life, and I'll realize all that stuff is like disposable silverware. Like nothing is as fulfilling as knowing God and then being used by God in the lives of others. I'm telling you guys, like, it is the most fulfilling thing. My son Jack is so into cars right now, which I love. 
And um, there's an opportunity for our church that I'll share with you guys next week. And um, I was telling him about it last night while we were praying before bed. He said, Dad, how many Bugattis would it be? <laughs> I was like, uh, probably a couple Bugattis. And I was like, but Jack, it's worth so much more than all the cars in the world. You know, if we can reach more people, if we can bring more people to Jesus, I'm, I'm telling you, buddy, it is the most fulfilling way to live your life. And cars are great, and, and I love them, and, and they're awesome. But they're all going to end up in the trash. I mean, I saw that even before I was a strong Christian. I remember interviewing a, a billionaire named Don Laughlin, who named a city after him, Laughlin, Nevada. And we're at the top of his penthouse, and he's got his helicopter on the top and his models of all his private jets. And he was 81 at the time. Most of the billionaires are old because they spent their whole life getting there. And guess what they spend the last five years of their lives doing? Worrying about who to leave it to and how much it's going to mess their kids up uh, and, and what to do with it. And then they die, and it all goes to someone else. And this just turns over every 70 to 90 years. It goes, just goes back thousands of years. But everyone thinks while they're in it, this is it. And then they get old enough and realize it's all disposable. And, and what Jesus invites you into as you grow your faith is to be part of really the only thing that's not disposable. You reach this point in your faith where you realize like, okay, faith is believing God more than I believe what I see. And, and, and you keep following him and eventually you realize the things that are unseen are far more real than the things that are seen. In fact, even physicists would tell us this now, right? Like people would say like, this is reality because it's a table. But now physicists would tell us, you know, 80% of that uh, is actually invisible if you get down to the atomic level. And it's the same in the spiritual level. Like the things that are not seen are more real than the things that are seen. So, okay, here's been our prayer for this series. Lord, grow my faith toward you. And we're about to pray it out loud together, those of you who mean it. But before we do, I want to invite you to join me in taking a step, okay? And here's the step. We started the series, God do miracles in me. Then we said, God do miracles for me. And those of you who are praying for God to do a miracle in your marriage, in your health, in your finances, keep praying for that. God wants to work in your life. As we've learned, he does still do miracles today, but we don't get to tell him which ones and when. Keep praying with a faith that he will do what's best for you. So keep praying for those things. But today, I'm kind of discipling is the term. I'm taking you and leading you spiritually to say, let's unite our hearts in praying this same prayer, but now through a lens of saying, God, I want to be used by you in this world. I want to be part of how you want to help this world, how you want to heal people and feed people. I'll, I will sacrifice and surrender to be part of it. Show me what that looks like. So if that's where your heart's at, then I'll count to three here in a minute. We'll read this, this little prayer, Lord, grow my faith together. But uh, just gather your heart, think about God, and here we go. One, two, three. Three, Lord, grow my faith toward you. Keep praying that prayer. Open up the door of God using you to help people and solve problems in the world that you used to not care about or that you thought, I couldn't make a dent in that problem. And I'm telling you guys, your faith journey will just get more and more exciting. In one sense, we're all here. Every one of us is connected to God 
because of someone else who sacrificed some time or something to tell us about Jesus. Most of us who know God through Jesus, someone prayed for us, someone invited us, someone took the time to tell us. And just like Jesus sacrificed to serve those hungry people, even when he was grieving, um, people sacrificed for us. And so now what we're saying is, God, show me, and it's different for each one of us, what does it look like for me to follow you in that way, Jesus? You know, one of the promises of Scripture in faith is this, ask and you will receive. We're sitting in this building, and there's a, a picture of it being built um, back when I was a senior in high school. And I didn't live in Indiana. I lived in Michigan. I didn't know anything about this place. And there's people here who stepped out in faith to say, we're asking that, that God would fill up a building. We're going to buy a cornfield in Brownsburg, Indiana. We're going to build a giant building. We're going to tell people about Jesus believing with faith that God responds to our faith and that since our motive is to help families and help people, that he'll respond to that. And my, how he has responded to that. I mean, yeah, we can we just celebrate all of you who are part of that. It, it's pretty rare, you know, to have a city where like one out of three or one out of four people in the city of tens of thousands of people, all are part of the same movement of Jesus. And that's because people took a step of faith. Matthew 9, verse 35, is when, where we were studying last week, and Jesus has been on a miracle spree. He's raised the dead. He's cast out demons. He's opened the eyes of the blind. He's healed a chronic medical condition. And then biggest miracle of all so far was this white-collar thief, sinner named Matthew, tax collector who comes to Jesus and lets Jesus change his identity and his way of life. And all these miracles are happening. And here's really the climactic moment of this spree of miracles. Verse 35, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area. The, one of the reasons those words stick out to me is I look at what God's doing here in Brownsburg and I look at our sons and daughters and how by God's grace, you know, we don't have it all together, but we're getting to raise them in a church environment that just doesn't exist elsewhere. And then I'll drive around the other towns and villages around Indianapolis and there's this sense of, what about those people? What about the ones who don't live within 15 minutes of Brownsburg? Jesus taught in the synagogues, announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion. Other people saw a long line. Other people saw traffic. Other people saw B.O. and smelly people or people who look different or shop different or buy different. Jesus saw souls. And this Greek word compassion, it's from uh, where we get our English word spleen, Greek word splachnon, <laughs> funny word. But it means when you're so moved with emotion that you feel it in your stomach. And Jesus, he would see a person and he'd see the pain they'd been through and the trajectory they were on and that they were separated from God by their sin. And he'd be emotionally moved in his stomach to help them. And this is the heart of God that he wants to cultivate in us. 
He had compassion on them because they were scattered, is one way to translate this word, or confused. Meaning, well, meaning it's like growing up in a world where there's a thousand voices in your head every day, and you don't know which one to listen to. And you're doing your best, but you're missing one wheel on your airplane, and you're trying to land without dying, and you call out for help, and you just get all this, all these voices. Helpless doesn't mean, it doesn't mean Jesus views us in a demeaning way, but just like as a parent, there are moments when your child's in trouble and you know, I have to help them. This is the heart of God. He wants to help your neighbors. He wants to help your family. He wants to help you. You know what a crescendo is in music? It's when something starts really quiet and it slowly gets louder and louder and louder. It's a crescendo. Woke someone up there. In Matthew 8 and 9, if you study the two chapters as a whole, you're going to see a crescendo in the miracles. Jesus starts with these physical miracles for individuals and families. Those matter. We still pray for them. We actually saw a couple this last week. I'm not going to tell you what they are because you guys are, some of you skeptics will think I'm a weirdo. So, but keep praying. We are seeing God answer prayers in really, really bold ways. But then we saw in Matthew that the spiritual miracles that happen in people are even better. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm bringing a kingdom. Because you have to pause and think, why, why didn't Jesus just camp out there in that part of Israel and just keep multiplying food and healing everyone's sickness and like build a giant hospital there? Why did he then go to the cross and die? And the reason is this. He's saying the biggest miracle is a whole new way of life called the kingdom and it's a place where no one goes hungry ever. It's a place where no one gets sick ever. It's a place where there's no sin, and so there are no courts, there are no jails. You don't have to have locks on your doors. No one will ever lie to you. No one will ever take from you. No one will ever harm you. And this kingdom is a place where all who believe in Jesus will be reunited to the creator and will live in such a paradise, eating real food, having real joy and fulfillment and pleasure and experiences for a thousand years and then a thousand years more and then a thousand years more. And Jesus essentially says, I could keep putting Band-Aids on you down here in a broken world, or trust me as God, the bigger miracle is me opening the door, the way, the truth, the life for all who believe into the kingdom of God. And so this crescendos to him rising from the dead. And then he'll do a similar thing in each of our lives as we follow him. The miracles will start for, in us, for us, and then through us as we grow. Matthew 9, Jesus says to his disciples after he has compassion on the people, the harvest is plentiful or great. Now by harvest, what he means is souls who are ready to respond to Jesus. And it's interesting, he doesn't say, go out and work really hard to drum up a harvest. The harvest is there, but there's not enough workers, Jesus says. Last week, we talked about this reality. If you imagine yourself surrounded by kind of helium balloons, they're all around you. Each one is a blessing that God wants to pour out on your life. He wants to 
change your disposition in a way that your spouse will be grateful for, or he wants to help you in your finances, or he wants to give you peace, or like there, all these miracles are around us. God is waiting to do them if we'll bring a little bit of faith, the spark of surrendered faith, and then a balloon bursts and out flows this blessing. And you keep bringing surrendered faith and you just keep seeing God work. But now if we take that same analogy, he's essentially saying, uh, Brownsburg, Indiana, there's all these people around you in Brownsburg, in Hendricks County, but also in Hamilton County and in Boone County. And there's all these people who I'm drawing them to myself and they're seeking God. But the only ingredient that's missing is a laborer, a worker, someone who cares enough about my kingdom to sacrifice a little bit of themselves so that that person can hear about me. And essentially, Jesus is saying, uh, you guys, if you only knew how many people would be helped if you'll be a laborer in my harvest. When we bring what we have to Jesus, that's what the little boy did. He just brought what he had. He multiplies it to feed others. And then here's what happens in the process of that. The very things in the world that are broken that grieved us, he then starts to heal. Uh, one of the families here that's most involved in our addiction ministry where lives are, are changing is a family that there's someone in their immediate family um, who, who struggles with that. And so it's out of that pain has come their effectiveness in the kingdom. And I just want to encourage you this week really is this, like, will you join me in saying, God, at the end of our lives, we want to look you in the eyes and know that everything you wanted us to do as a church, we did. We didn't leave anything on the table. There wasn't a single door that you had for us to walk through and help people that we just didn't go through it because we were busy thinking about ourselves. That, that's really what my heart is this week, and my ask is that you would join me in a heart for others like that, which doesn't come from me, but it comes from Jesus, from that compassion. Seek and you will find. I love this picture because every baptism is a miracle, but every once in a while we'll see a family where the mom or the dad baptizes the other parent and then they both baptize the kids and it's like this whole family is giving their lives to Jesus and we just know, those of us who get to live it, like this is gonna change these people's lives. And what if we as a movement for the month of May said, God, we want to seek first your kingdom. We want to see you do miracles in central Indiana. We want to see you do things beyond what we could ask or imagine, not just for our benefit, but for all the people that you love here in central Indiana. Well, speaking of miracles, one is that in this last year, um, for our physical attendance, not online, we've added about 1,600 people on a given weekend. We're up about 1,600 people, which is, um, that's a lot. That's a pretty big-sized church by itself, and that's been our growth one year over year. Obviously, if you look at where we're at, um, if we were to keep seeing God bring people at the same pace in the next year, we would run out of seats. And so we've got some solutions for that, and I'll share those with you next week. But what I want to show you right now is just a few of the 1,600, a few of the 10 or 12,000 who are now part of this whole movement. 
Because at the beginning, I shared with you one of the things that most breaks my heart is the world that our sons and daughters are growing up in. And we can stare at the evils of the world and the confusion and the division and the hatred, and it'll depress us. Or we can look at those things and then say, God, use me to be part of your solution. And I can't thank you enough as a movement for being a church that is all in to raise our sons and daughters for God. I want to show you a little bit of worship from a week ago. Because while we're meeting in here, our middle schoolers are meeting down at the other end of the building. And you don't usually get to see what's happening there. But I just want you to contrast that one out of three teen girls in the U.S. right now, according to the Center for Disease Control, has put together a plan to take their life. Contrast that with what God is doing in the hearts of our young people who are facing all the same struggles. But because of Jesus, they have a hope and a joy and a freedom. Look at this. Yeah, that's, that is, uh, that's why we're here. And, um, you know, those of us who've had moments of worship like that, where we put God above everything, we know that it, it doesn't make our problems go away, but it totally changes. We're now kind of flying above the problems rather than drowning beneath them. And for every son and daughter, teenager, up to age 99, sons and daughters of God, apart from the miracle of God in our lives, there is really no meaningful eternal hope, but God has entrusted that to us. And so my, my ask of you today is to just join me in a movement of the heart that says, God, I wanna see you feed people through me. And I will trust, Lord, that as I give you what I have and as I follow you and as I do my part, you're gonna go full circle and you're gonna end up solving the problems that break my heart in this world. And in fact, right now, I'd ask you to just close your eyes. You're just gonna have a brief moment with God. And with your eyes closed there, if this is where your heart's at, would you just join me in praying this very simple prayer? God, grow my faith about what you want to do through our church. God, prepare my heart to do my part. God, grow my heart for what breaks yours. Prepare me to hear from you and join you. You know, sitting there with your eyes closed, I'm going to ask you to express your faith here in a moment and what it is is this everyone else has their eyes closed but you and God and I'll see if you're joining me at a heart level that just says God I want to I want to grow in my faith to see miracles through me that help others if that's a decision you're making today would you just stand with me if you're making that decision standing up is you saying with your body I want to see God do miracles through me I want to follow Jesus in a life of self-sacrifice that feeds others. 
others. If that's where you're at, show that with your feet. And eyes are still closed, but I just have to tell every one of you who are standing how much it moves me emotionally to see you because the things God has for us to do over the next 25 years are truly miraculous and God is doing miracles. He's gonna do miracles through this church, but I can't do them. Only he can do them. And he's gonna do them as each one of us who are standing, we bring our loaves, our fish, our heart. So if the rest of you wanna join us in standing now, I'll just close us out in prayer. Father, I pray over every person here that they would taste you as the bread of life that they would drink you as the living water. And Lord, as you fill us, may we not become self-centered or complacent that, Lord, life with you is so good. Being free from sin, having a better marriage. I mean, be so easy to turn inward, but God, you're working in us and for us so that you can also work through us. Lord, we just acknowledge that you have blessed us in the heavenly realm with blessings we don't even fully understand. And you've blessed us so that we can be a blessing. You've saved us so that we can serve. So Lord, we pray over this month of May that you would uh, move by your spirit in our hearts and that you would speak to us and show us, each of us, what it looks like to bring you our loaves, our fish, what it looks like, Jesus, to live a life of surrender through which you feed thousands and do miracles. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, if today's episode encouraged you or helped you in any way, we would invite you to keep following Jesus with us. We send out a daily video text devotional. You can receive that and you can learn how to gather with us online or in person for our weekend services. All of that is available over at cp.news. That's the letter C, the letter P.news on your phone or desktop or tablet browser. Thanks again for joining us and please join me again next week for the Connection Point Podcast.